look around the NBA at what's happening to these head coaches, and you'll realize it's time to have a real, real, real uncomfortable conversation in Memphis. It's time to at least have the conversation. Taylor Jenkins, great first four years. But how safe is he right now? How safe is Taylor Jenkins' seat? Let's talk about it right here coming up on Locked On Grizzlies. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone what's going on and welcome back to locked on grizzlies i am your host today demichael cole beat writer for the commercial appeal right here in memphis tennessee and welcome to this saturday edition of locked on grizzlies uh some technical difficulties on friday but we're back for a saturday edition we, you, you had to know we were gonna come back right like come on now but just me today joe mullen that's getting a well-deserved day off want to thank you for tuning in to locked on grizzlies each and every day make sure you continue to listen to us google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcast you want to watch us check us out on youtube as well locked on grizzlies to be put it frank we're everywhere but you know what else has been everywhere lately and that's been nba head coaches getting pink slips uh i've said it uh i said it in i think earlier in the summer so nba nba head coach is a is a tough gig it's a very tough gig because, quite frankly, I don't think a lot of NBA head coaches get a fair shake these days because what has happened to us as an entire culture, not, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin it back to the basketball uh, reference. It's going to make sense here. But what's happened to us as an entire culture, especially in the social media era, is immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification is like who we are uh, now. And that's kind of dived over into to NBA head coaches. Uh, the Eric Spolsters, the Greg Popovich, those long-tenured coaches. And you say, okay, those are two real successful head coaches. Yes, there are many more that come to mind. What about Jerry Sloan? He never won a championship, you know, in Utah. Or, or George, Carl, George Carl, as long-tenured as he was, you know, without uh, winning a championship, you know, over there in, in places like Denver and whatnot. But I think of coaches like those who – I put in a lot of work for for decades, didn't win championships. They wouldn't have gotten as long of a string in today's society. Uh, Utah under Jerry Sloan, no matter how close they got season after season, when they got Stockton and Malone together in the in the late 80s and they made those runs all through the 90s, early 2000s, they would have, they probably would have cut bait with Jerry Sloan before they even made it to those finals appearances in the mid, you know, to, to late uh, 90s there. Uh, but here's what I'm getting to. Taylor Jenkins. It's time to have the conversation in Memphis because if you look at it just from a raw perspective, Taylor Jenkins has been excellent in the regular season. Excellent. Back-to-back, two of the best back-to-back seasons in Grizzlies franchise history. This isn't a franchise that's rich with history. But Taylor Jenkins is is working his way all the way up up the record books right now as we speak. I mean, uh, going into this upcoming season, Taylor Jenkins is 35 games, 
35 wins away from tying Lionel Hollins for the most wins in franchise history. So guess what? Bold or unbold prediction, he's going to set the record this season for franchise uh, in franchise history for regular season wins by Grizzlies head coach. So Taylor Jenkins is on pace to set history, to make history. And we're still having this conversation. So let me preface it with a couple things. One thing I want to say is this is not from any intel that I've heard. I know a lot of times I speak, you know, kind of in a speculative form based on what I've been hearing around the Grizzlies from from people, you know, inside the Grizzlies. But I haven't heard anything in regards to Taylor Jenkins job security. But you know what else? I don't think we heard anything regarding Monty Williams job security coming into the season. And there may have been little small murmurs with Mike Budenholzer, but when the Bucks secured the number one seed going into the playoffs, I don't think we were hearing much then about Mike Budenholzer's job security. Then you got Nick Nurse, championship coach. Doc Rivers may be the one guy who just couldn't get past the second round in Philly. But there are a lot of examples of guys who – I'll make it personal. I'll, I'll I'll give my opinion on this. Guys who I feel were axed a little bit too early because in this head coaching business, it's 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 so much again. It's that immediate gratification. It's you want it now. Monty Williams in Phoenix turned that team completely around. Remember they were in the bubble. He changed the tenor of that team and turned them into winners. You know uh, they went to the finals a couple years back. Then they won. Uh, 60, I think 64 games it was, uh, secured the number one seed, like blitzed the whole Western Conference during the regular season and lost in the second round. Then, you know, uh, Mike Budenholzer secured number one seed a couple years ago, won an NBA title. I mean, Monty Williams went to one. Budenholzer won one. Nick Nick Nurse, same thing, won one a few years ago. Uh, Doc Rivers has firmly been top three, top four in the East with the Sixers every single year. And you could take this even further back. What about Dwayne Casey securing top two, top three seeds in Toronto pretty much every season? Frank Vogel. I mean, we're only a few years removed from when he uh, took the Lakers to the to the championship, won a title in the bubble. Uh, Mark Jackson turned the Golden State Warriors into a bona fide winner, 50-win seasons. But you know what all those coaches that I mentioned had in mind? Right now, no matter how good they were in the regular season, no matter how good they were in past years, their postseason success did not live up to expectations in the past couple seasons. And that's why they were fired. That's why they were removed of their duties, postseason success. And what has been the Achilles heel in Memphis right now? Come on, we can we, we got to be honest right now. We just got to be honest. I think Taylor Jenkins is is great great for what he's done in Memphis. And quite frankly, if you were asking for, for my opinion, I, I think he's safe through this season pretty much if, if the Grizzlies, you know, go to the second round and put up a decent performance in the second round. You know, they don't get swept. Like they look like a team that's destined to make a Western Conference Finals appearance or NBA Finals real soon. But you got if, if we're looking at the history, because we're taking personal opinion out of this, we're looking at 
what the landscape of the NBA has shown us in recent years. Dwayne Casey, Frank Vogel, Mark Jackson, Money Williams, Mike Bullnotis, Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers, all guys had great regular season success. Some even won championships. But what they did in the postseason, uh, in, in their latter years at least, was what led to their demise with those certain teams. Taylor Jenkins, first round exit, first season making the playoffs. Okay, that was expected. Grizzlies were, you know, uh, pretty much outmatched in that series against the Jacks. Then you make the playoffs, you go against the Timberwolves in the first round as a two seed. Win that series, but a lot of comeback wins. So it was a scrappy, ugly series. You know, 4-2, winning in six games. Then lose to the Warriors in six games. Warriors go on to win the championship. Okay, future's bright. You know, you lost to a team that went on to win the championship. And then, of course, injury things happened with Ja and Steven Adams returning and all that. Like, there were some, some factors there. Then this next season, you lose in the first round to the Lakers. Lakers going to the Western Conference Finals. Understandable a little bit, especially Steven Adams being out and the other injuries, Luke Kennard getting hurt late in that series and whatnot. But – the way that the Grizzlies lost, and we'll get more into that later, but the way that the Grizzlies lost, talk about it in the next segment, was very similar in those series. And if those same things happen again, there's going to be some concern. And, and since I'm already teasing a little bit here, next two segments, we're going to talk about X and O's improvements, potentially that Taylor Jenkins could bring to the table uh, in order to kind of uh, stabilize his future in Memphis. And then we'll talk about what makes Taylor Jenkins a really good coach. You know, the core winning values that he has that may get him over the hump in Memphis eventually. I'm going to talk about both of those. But quite frankly, this isn't even an unfamiliar territory for Grizzlies fans. You 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 remember, we talked about Lionel Hollins a little bit earlier. But Lionel Hollins and Dave Yeager, each of those cases were different from Taylor Jenkins. Just to touch back on them. No, some of you not OG Grizzlies fans, some of you are, you know, you came around the John Morant era and all that. I get it. You know, Grizzlies, Grizzlies got a little swagger to them. They play with a little more swag now. But if, for the OG Grizzlies fans out there, you remember Lionel Hollins left this team to what, 56 wins? It was franchise record at the time, Western Conference finals appearance and whatnot. And then he's gone. But, you know, there were reasons that were outside of, you know, productions, uh, winning production for that happening. Same thing with Dave Yeager. Dave Yeager – Back to back, really winning season. In fact, Dave Yeager is the all time winning percentage leader in Grizzlies franchise history. Lionel Hollins, all time wins leader. Dave Yeager, all time winning percentage leader. Both <laughs> left surprisingly. So, Grizzlies losing coaches in surprising fashion is, is not unfamiliar around here. But Taylor Jenkins, it's just a conversation that has to start to be had now because he's winning games in the regular season. The Grizzlies are having extraordinary uh, regular season success. But at some point, we see they're making moves for the postseason. And if the postseason success doesn't improve, look out. We might be doing uh, um, top five coaching candidates locked on Grizzlies episode uh, next summer or something potentially. But before we get to that, we Taylor Jenkins has shown signs of improvements in, in several areas. And I enjoy covering Taylor Jenkins for that reason. Uh, the X's and O's can improve in Memphis. How can they improve? Let's talk about that coming up next on Locked on Grizzlies. But before we talk about that, we got to talk about FanDuel, where you make every moment more. Look, here's the thing with FanDuel. Right now, baseball is pretty much your number one sport uh, going on. And look, 
if you if you bet baseball for if you haven't bet on FanDuel before, go right over. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel right now, and you can get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's ten times up to two hundred dollars. So look, if you bet twenty bucks, you can get two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. Man, you can't beat that. That's unbeatable. That's two hundred dollars you can spend. And that $200 can be everything. And look, I like to money line bet. I don't really deal with the over and over, over unders that much. Over under is pretty much 50 50 to me. Money line ain't 50 50. So you can go, but if you, you know, you might be a little bit more riskier than me. You can do money line, you can do over under. You can even go nibble and dabble in the same game parlays, which is also one of my favorite things to do. You think a player is going to get six strikeouts or more in a game, you can put your money on that. You can go get to make some hits bets uh, and everything in between. That happens in the game. Look, it's all on the app. It's all safe and secure. FanDuel is super easy to use. And guess what? When you win on FanDuel, you get paid instantly. So you can't beat that. There's no better place to bet baseball than FanDuel because it's America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. Again, sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you can get $200 in bonus bets. Coming up on Locked On Grizzlies, we're going to talk about how Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies can improve from an Exodus perspective. Stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies, everyone. I am your host today, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal right here in Memphis, Tennessee. And look, we're having a tough conversation today. I know you didn't wake up on your weekend and say, oh, let's talk about Taylor Jenkins' job security. But it's a conversation that has to be had. And again, I want to make it very clear. I haven't had any intel uh, in any regards saying that Taylor Jenkins is potentially on any type of hot seat. In fact, uh, the Grizzlies, at the end of last season, I mean, at the end of this past season, Zach Kleiman expressed all the confidence in Taylor Jenkins going forward. Uh, it was just 22, summer 2022, Taylor Jenkins received a contract extension you know, to stay in Memphis longer. And we're seeing, you know, now that the Grizzlies are kind of investing more in Taylor Jenkins with his staff and, and building it around them exactly how he's want. They're pretty hands-off. Zach Kleiman said, hey, you know, he, he's Taylor Jenkins is making improvements to the staff right now, and we're letting him do that. So there's still a lot of confidence that Taylor Jenkins can improve this team. But from an X and O standpoint, what does that look like? And what I'm going to say is they're going to surprise anyone because it's kind of become the hallmark point of the Taylor Jenkins area, the Taylor Jenkins era. What has to improve in Memphis under Taylor Jenkins pretty much more than anything is the half court offensive efficiency. Uh, we saw glimpses of that in the second half of the regular season this past year. And I think Taylor Jenkins pointed it out. Yeah. From the first half to the second half, we were a better offensive efficiency team. In the half court. But guess what? All that went out the window when the playoffs started. You saw how ugly those games against the Lakers looked. I mean, the Grizzlies were blown out, blown out the water you know, uh, in game six, and they just looked like a team that was out of place. A team that was out of place. So with all that being said, half court offensive efficiency is where I think the Grizzlies need to improve more than anything. Because, one, that's a key area in the postseason – because everybody knows your plays. Everybody knows the little play, the out-of-bounds play. You're going to run for John Morant 
or they they know the pin downs and the little curls that Desmond Bain's going to come off of. They know all that's coming. How do you counter that? Guess what? You got to just beat the man in front of you. You got to have some talented scorers. You got to have some talented shooters that can space the floor. And that's why over the last two years, you've been listening to Lockdown Grizzlies. We've been talking about how the Grizzlies need to get more scores, need to get more shooters, because at the end of the day, those are the two things that can improve your half-court offensive efficiency. Let's get into the numbers. According to, you know, Synergy, one of the best, you know, analytical uh, stat spots out there, the Grizzlies finished 22nd in the NBA in half-court offense this past season. 22nd in the NBA. The only other team to make the playoffs finishing 22nd in the NBA, I mean, finishing that low, was the Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat finished 23rd. And if you remember, the Miami Heat barely Made the playoffs. Hey, yes, they went on the run and beat, you know, all the top teams in the Eastern Conference, beat the Celtics, beat the Bucks and whatnot, beat the Knicks. But Miami Heat lost their first play-in game and had to get in as an eight seed. So, quite frankly, the Grizzlies and a play-in team are the only two teams uh, that finished in the, in the lower half of the NBA, in the bottom third of the NBA, in half-court offense. And plus, uh, Miami Heat had Jimmy Butler, who – it's all dealt with some injury stuff in the regular season and turned it on in the playoffs. Grizzlies didn't have that, you know, type of season where they had one guy who could turn it on for the postseason. Uh, though that is that has pretty much been a hallmark of the Taylor Jenkins era. Defense, they've been great. And we'll we'll get to more of that in the next segment. Offensively, it's been some struggles. How does this improve? We mentioned they got to get more scores. Did the Grizzlies go out and get more scores? This offseason, no. They got one, I think, wonderful, you know, creator when he's at his best in Derrick Rose. You saw, again, a couple years ago, six-man-of-the-year candidate. If you get that Derrick Rose, you kind of increase your chances of being a better uh, half-court offense. And then Marcus Smart, again, there's some creation to his game. It's just not high-efficiency creation, but he can get his own shot. You know, he has to step back. He has, you know, the -the off-the-dribble game. He's a point guard. He can do that. The thing is, neither of those guys strike me as a guy who, in the final four minutes of a game, you're going to get the ball to and say, get out of my way. I want that guy with the ball. Because you want John Morant with the ball. You want Desmond Bain with the ball. You want Jaron Jackson Jr. with the ball. Those are the guys. Those are the guys who have to improve the most. I mean, it's 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 those guys. Uh, those are the ones who have to improve in the half-court offenses. I've touched on the numbers enough. Everyone knows the numbers by now. Uh, Des- Desmond Bain, John Morant, this past season in isolation score, uh, bottom third of the NBA. Jaron Jackson Jr. finished in the top third of the NBA. I think he ranked in the 85th percentile in isolation scoring, according to NBA stats. But you need to see, you know, John Morant improve in that area. How's John Morant going to be a better isolation score? You got to put better shooters around him because all teams do. There aren't point guards in the NBA standing in front of John Morant one-on-one, meeting him at the rim. I mean, you might stand in front of him one-on-one, but guess what? It's going to leap over you. and You don't have a chance if you're 6'3", 6'4", in this league uh, for the most part. But when John Morant goes to the rim, we saw it when they played the Timberwolves a couple years ago when he struggled. We saw it this past year. You know, Anthony Davis got some blocks on him. A couple years ago, it was Jared Vanderbilt, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, and, and, and Jay McDaniels. Those guys beat them at the rim. If you throw bodies around Jai at the rim, you can have some success. But the Grizzlies 
have to be able to counter that with having a Desmond Bain ready to shoot. That's why Desmond Bain, quite frankly, he was probably the best offensive player for the Grizzlies in that Lakers series and in that Timberwolves series. Because when teams stack the paint like that, it creates more opportunities for him. You need another score to put to flank alongside of Des. Dylan Brooks, we don't got to get into what happened in the Lakers series. You saw it just like I saw it. It, it wasn't pretty. So um, having a, someone you could put at that small forward position, maybe it's a playoff market smart like Joe Mullinex has said. You know, uh, the playoff performances of Marcus Smart over the last couple of years have indicated that he can be a better playoff performer than a regular season performer. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's a guy that's currently not on the team because the Grizzlies have, you know, that trade exception that they could potentially use. Maybe it's one of the young guys taking some internal improvement. Maybe it's Jake LaRavia. Maybe it's David Roddy. Maybe it's Zaire Williams. Whatever the case may be, the Grizzlies have to improve this half-court offense. They have to improve it. Uh, in two ways, you you have to get better spacing, flanking John Morant, and and I think a player like Desmond Bain has to take a leap as an isolation scorer. Uh, he's more than capable. That's why we're having this conversation. There are other guys on the team. I think Zaire Williams, when he gets to his spots again, when he gets to that mid range, when Jake Laravia uses his size advantage, he has some. He has a crafty way of of you know creating off the dribble success, as we saw in the summer league. He's a big body that can take advantage of real small matchups. Uh, even better, I think, than David Roddy takes advantage of small matchups. So, but all that being said, the Grizzlies have a couple guys who have the potential to improve it. But I think the if we're talking about the Grizzlies being a top 10, top 12 half-court offense this upcoming season, it's going to be because Luke Kennard played a lot of minutes and he really helped the spacing. It's going to be because John Morant went into the top half of the league in isolation scoring. Desmond Bain took a leap in isolation scoring, and Jaron Jackson Jr. became more of a focal point in isolation scoring. It's going to be those reasons. Those are some of the things that have to happen. But if these X and O improvements don't happen, not just in the regular season, it has to happen in the playoffs because there isn't a playoff series yet where we've seen the Grizzlies be uh, effective half-court offense. Call my bluff on it. Call my bluff on it if you think – I mean, I I tell you guys all the time. We got the YouTube comment section. You got – you know, you know where to find me. My Twitter is right below. The Timberwolves series wasn't a great half court offense. The Golden State Warriors series wasn't a really good half court offense. This past series against the Lakers wasn't really a good half court offense. Has to change at some point. That's kind of becoming the Achilles heel of the Taylor Jenkins era. But guess what? There are a bunch of really good things that Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies have done that they need to build on. To, to create that championship culture in Memphis going forward. Taylor Jenkins has built some real good core of winning values around the Grizzlies. We're going to talk about that next coming up on Locked on Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies, everyone. I am your host, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Appreciate you for tuning in to this episode. I call this some tough love right here. This is this is the, this is is that conversation that you have with your friends and and your friends say, oh, do you think this is the right person for me? And look, you you know they like the person. You know they like them. But you got to be honest with them, right? You got to say, man, look, I know you like them, but I, I don't think this is the right person for you. Or maybe you do think it's the right person for them. And maybe they don't think it's the right person for them. And you say, you're, you're overreacting. That that guy, that girl is great. Like, calm down. That's, this, is the, this is the Taylor Jenkins version of that. I'm, I'm, I'm your friend. And, and, and you are in love with Taylor Jenkins. And I'm telling you, 
if you should stick around with Taylor Jenkins or not, but not directly, more indirectly around the big factors of how the Grizzlies win. Recapping what we talked about so far, talked about Taylor Jenkins in the potential hot seat, the landscape of the NBA, all the other coaches uh, that have been fired in recent years, despite having really good regular season success, like the Taylor Jenkins. We talked about Taylor Jenkins, you know, uh, kind of his Achilles heels. What what's led us to having this conversation and from a success standpoint, and that's the half court offense. Now, we got to kind of defend him a little bit because at the end of the day, Taylor Jenkins has done great work. He's built, you know, a winning culture in Memphis, especially in the regular season. And quite frankly, all these players believe in what's going on. As a coach, that's probably the most important thing. You have to create that buy-in. The Grizzlies are bought in. There's no, you know, losing the locker room problems in Memphis, Tennessee. They are bought in to the idea of Taylor Jenkins being the coach that leads them to the promised land. So that's the most important thing. But let's get into the let's get into the nitty-gritty. Why, why, what has made Taylor Jenkins really good over the past four years as the Grizzlies head coach, outside of you know the high winning, the second highest winning percentage in Grizzlies franchise history, second most wins in Grizzlies franchise history, soon to be the Grizzlies franchise uh record leader in wins as well. So with all that being said, if you look at the Grizzlies, really in the over the four years, but um personally, just personally, I I tend to focus on the last two years a lot because that's when I became the beat writer of the Grizzlies. Last two years, the first two years I was up in Philadelphia. But with all that being said, the Grizzlies, defense and rebounding have been hallmarks under the Taylor Jenkins era. If you go to the defensive rating, the Grizzlies have been top six in defensive rating the last three seasons. First year under Taylor Jenkins, I think they finished 15th. And, you know, there was – you got to you gotta set the tone, right? You got to create the identity. You got to change, change some things up. First year, finished 15th. After that, top six the last three years. And even the top – the last two years, I think they were top three in defensive rating. So uh, defense isn't a problem. In Memphis, you, you know, you have Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. setting the tone. Now you got Marcus Smart and Dylan Brooks setting the tone uh, on the defensive end. Did you you got to have Steven Adams, who's a very underrated low post defender, I think, really good at, at what he does as well. Desmond Bain is improving. Uh, you got some nice young wing potential there with guys like David Roddy, Zaire Williams, uh, and and whatnot. Like you, you have potential to keep keep that defensive consistency. Uh, going forward. Then there's rebounding. I know when we think rebounding, especially over the last couple of years, you equate it to Steven Adams, but before Steven Adams, they had a guy named Jonas Valanciunas. And overall, uh, the Grizzlies have been a, a great rebounding team in the Taylor Jenkins era. It is something that is really emphasized. And I can tell you this because when Steven Adams went down, pretty much every game that the Grizzlies lost, Taylor Jenkins, the word rebounding, would come out of his mouth. He was very frustrated, and it was difficult because as a coach, you're saying, we got to rebound better, we got to rebound better, we got to rebound better, we got to rebound better. And it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. Rebounding is something that the Grizzlies will be great at this season because they'll get Steven Adams back or they're planning on getting Steven Adams back. And um, you got a couple other guys. I think Xavier Tillman is solid. 
Jaron Jackson Jr. needs to improve in that area, and we'll talk more about that. I, that's why I think FIBA will be great for him because he's going to play the five over there, and he's going to be guarding some big fives, big centers uh, from other countries. So we'll, we'll see how he holds his own on that end as well. But rebounding, the Grizzlies have been top seven in the NBA all four years under Taylor Jenkins in terms of total rebounding. You go to the last two years, uh, they were number one a couple seasons ago. And this past season, the Grizzlies, if Steve Nabbs doesn't get hurt, newsflash, they would have finished first. They were first when he went down, and they finished third in NBA, you know, despite playing, uh, what was it, 30-plus games? 30-plus games without Steven Adams. Uh, so I think rebounding and defense are very, very important uh, to, to winning championships. And you don't have to look no further than look at the two teams who beat the Grizzlies in the playoffs the last couple seasons. You remember it. This past season, Anthony Davis had his way in a lot of games, had his way against the Grizzlies, especially on the boards. And I know many of you couldn't help but think that would not be happening if Steven Adams was on the floor. Go back a couple years ago, because Steven Adams was on the floor for game six. But if you remember game five, and I think it was maybe late in game four too, Steven Adams, you know, got back because he had the COVID going on and he kind of was played off the floor in the Minnesota series. And Steven Adams came and he kind of, changed the series a little bit against the Warriors late in that series because the Warriors remember they were playing the small lineups they had Draymond Green starting I think at center and Steven Adams was having his way he was having his way they had no choice but to make a change and they did <laughs> Golden State said fine we're gonna bring Kavon Looney out there for game six and Kavon Looney changed the tone changed the tone and he 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 won that matchup against Stephen Adams. He won that matchup in Game Six, and as a result, the Warriors won Game Six. Don't have to tell you how good defensively the Warriors were in the championship season, and the Lakers were his past season in route to making the Western Conference Finals. Defense and rebounding are very essential to be, building a championship uh, team. The Grizzlies have that on lock. Right now, it's all about improving that offensive efficiency in the half court. They're great. They're great in transition. One of the best transition scoring teams in the NBA over the past four seasons under under Taylor Jenkins. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to have this conversation because, despite Taylor Jenkins' great resume, he's built in the regular season. We haven't seen it in the playoffs yet. And like I said, I'm on the record for saying I think if the Grizzlies finish, you know, second round seven-game series. I mean, there there will be added context over the course of the regular season. Who knows? You know, if you – we've seen coaches kind of – Nick Nurse, perfect example. I think some coaches uh, get get a hard case despite the injuries. Monty Williams this past season. Like, Monty Williams got, what, eight regular season games with Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul got hurt in the playoffs and, and you know, was hurt against the, the Denver Nuggets. And all the regular season injuries that led to, you know, I think Devin Booker and all those guys got hurt. He still got canned. And we saw that with Dave Yeager as well. And I'm going to turn it back to the Grizzlies. Uh, and, of course, Dave Yeager was – you've heard the reports, multiple reports out there that he was flirting with other teams. And, you know, the Grizzlies just, quite frankly, didn't like that. But if you just want to talk about the on-the-court production, Dave Yeager dealt with a lot of injuries when the Grizzlies went 42-40 and 40 in that last season. A lot of – injuries and he still got canned so i don't think that's going to be an excuse for taylor jenkins even though the the context matters 
quite frankly, they want to see playoff success around here. They're craving for it. Uh, the Grizzlies are about to be over the salary cap for the foreseeable future because of Josh's contract, because of Dez's contract, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s contract, and Dez and Jaron soon, uh, because he signed a four-year deal, will be extension eligible. There's going to be some conversation that have to be had there. But for the long term, the Grizzlies are going to be in a tough financial position. Uh, so they need to win. They need to, they need to see that this core can do it. And in order to see that this core can do it, they're going to they're gonna want to see it with Taylor Jenkins. And if that doesn't work, they're going to try another head coach before they move on from that core of players because they got so much money uh, committed to those guys. But I want to thank you for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies on today. Uh, make sure you're back with us on Monday. Me and Joe Mullinax will be back with you to talk Grizzlies. I know, Joe. Joe might want to give his input on what I said about Taylor Jenkins. So, May give Joe the platform to say what he wants to say what he wants to say about that as well. But we're gonna have much more coverage. Uh, Santi Aldama and Santi Aldama and Jerry Jackson Jr. will soon uh, be gearing up for FIBA basketball. We're gonna have coverage on that as well as well as everything else going on around the Grizzlies. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, Grizzlies fans can't say enough about your continued support of Locked On Grizzlies as we approach 2.5K subscribers. But remember, we're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, I'll see you on Locked On Grizzlies.